1: Welcome everybody to episode 135 of the Greenlight Podcast, POC E-Frage. and on this episode we are joined by Connor Hitchcock, the founder and CEO of Homefield Apparel. Uh, obviously, we're repping today for our uh, for our. Always Sunny Podcast calls them creeps if you watch it on YouTube. So I'm going to call, you know, the creeps that are watching uh, uh-huh. on Instagram or social. I'm rocking the Duke one uh, for the listeners. Just go to homefieldapparel.com and just buy some shit already. Um, but welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks for being on.
2: Yeah, I appreciate it. You know, I love It's really hard for me. There are a few schools, just given my allegiances or just my tastes, that I won't wear. And you're wearing one of those schools. (laughs) Uh, It's a sick shirt, though. I when we when our team designed that shirt, I was very excited. Uh, Even though I will never wear that. Uh, Shout out the pinstripe bull. But uh, (laughs) yes. (laughs) uh,
1: that's, you know what, man? You're a natural podcast guest. Let's transition to question number one. So Home Field Apparel is not your first clothing company. You are right. a proud Indiana Hoosier, as are uh, two of my three cousins who grew up in South Bend. Okay. Uh, but talk to us about Hoosier Proud and yeah. that process, why you started it, how it all came about, and then how you think it eventually led you to Homefield.
2: Yeah. So when I was a student at Indiana... Um, graduated in 2016 I right yeah that's when I graduated (laughs) Um, yeah I had started this little side project uh, as you mentioned called who's your proud state of Indiana specific apparel a lot of local shops um, especially that was kind of when the trend was really picking up was the early 2010s of like local themed apparel I mean you live in Ohio it's freaking everywhere um, in Ohio But uh, there wasn't much in Indiana. There's actually one company that still does it really well. Um, I like them a lot. They're called United State of Indiana. But I mocked up a few stickers for this little side project. Um, I was studying marketing at IU. So pretty easy, like fun little thing to work on. Um, And I just went door to door with these stickers, like literally in Bloomington, went and found like any store that I thought would like, like to carry these. Asked if they wanted to buy them, uh, figured out kind of by trial and error, how wholesale and all that works. And so, um, by the time I left IU 30 stores in the state, just like boutiques, local shops were carrying these stickers. I had set up an Instagram and website for it, but really wasn't spending much time on it, frankly. Um, and you know, these stores would ask like, Hey, do you have shirts? And I'd be like, yeah, sure. And we didn't have shirts, but I would that texted my then girlfriend, now wife, Krista, who went to school at Miami of Ohio. I texted her. And I was like, Hey, um, can you mock up some shirts for me? She has a design background. I do not. And so she mocked up some shirts. I got those printed. And then I actually taught myself in my college apartment, much to the chagrin of my roommates, how to screen print. Um, and so then I would, uh, it would allow me to do much smaller runs and just test that and learn a lot about apparel. And so, that was a little side project. And um, to the point earlier of uh, the pinstripe bowl, that was really um, 2015 pinstripe bowl was a real turning point in my life. Um, (laughs) The Indiana football Hoosiers um, also known as the first FBS team to reach 700 losses this past season. (laughs) Um, They made the pinstripe bowl. Uh, I was born in 1994. The Hoosiers have not won a bowl game in my life. They still not won a bowl game in my life. Um, they went and played the Duke Blue Devils. I believe they were both six and six. Um, double overtime game. Indiana lines up for field goal. Sends a triple overtime. Looks like it's good. It's called no good. And um, again, as a diehard Indiana Hoosiers fan, I'm really dialed in on like IU Twitter. And so at the time, I was just a lurker. I was a lurker for many years on Twitter. I never tweeted. Um, but. I just, the whole phrase, everybody was yelling was the kick was good. Like joke yelling, you know, how Twitter is. like, oh, we're really mad about the ending of this pinstripe bull. Well, going into the next season, the 2016 football season, I graduated from IU. I um, was working full-time in e-commerce, uh, digital marketing for an e-commerce brand in Indianapolis. And I like literally the day of the season kicking off, I made a shirt, horrible design, didn't require licensing, just said the kick was good. And um, I got picked up by Crimson Quarry, which back in the day, the IU blog was really uh, doing numbers. And so we sold more that day of that shirt than I had sold in like the two years I've been doing this side project combined online. And so I was like, okay, I think I have an idea of what, you know, Millennial college sports fans are into and how to reach them, just given my skill set. So I kind of took that and went to IU and I said, Hey, would you give me a license? Um, because I think I can market this differently in the e-commerce space. And um, this is still with a side project, who's your proud. Um, they said yes, uh, which was really cool. And so I was licensed for IU, Krista and I both actually, because is doing all the design. Um then Got the Purdue license, Ball State, Indiana State. And so, for then two years, really, or a year or so, I guess, was doing this side project, Who's Your Proud, while I was working in e commerce and indie, <laughs> still selling to these stores, um, literally screen printing out of my basement, um, and just proving this idea out, getting to test a lot uh, before we both left our jobs eventually to start what was called Homefield.
1: So, I want to get back to that basement process too. But, you know, you you started in in 2018, you get IU first, Mm -hmm. you know, you joined a pretty busy space, you know what I mean? Were Other people trying to do what you were doing. Now you, I, from my vantage point, you took a pretty unique take on it. Mm -hmm. But was that always the idea to kind of like, I mean, you go to the Duke bookstore, it's just nine different shirts that say duke in different colors like there's no it's not really creative right you're just picking a shirt so was that the the take on it like all right we're gonna take your your classic logo and this is gonna be our differentiator
2: yeah yeah for sure so the word we built the entire brand around is thoughtful thoughtfulness and so that extends in a thousand ways i mean the core product for those who don't know about home it's a we call it thoughtful, uh, collegiate apparel, but you could also probably deem it as vintage too. Right. Um, really unique design, um, really comfortable fabrics, but for us, thoughtful is, you know, it doesn't just look cool. It, it, all of them have stories. There's a reason. Um, sometimes, you know, we literally cannot find the story for a and We're like, that's just still really sick and we're going to print it. But you know, 99.9% of the time, um, there's history behind it. Right. Um, the way we make it with our team, um, just in terms of our labor standards and what we pay above, um, you know, market rate, the way we're sourcing our garments, right? We're really we really care a lot about uh, corporate social responsibility and that, you know, uh, we get really pretty in-depth looks into our supply chain to ensure that these the partners we're working with, they also apply really high ethical standards to how they make products. Um, and then the way we engage with people on social media—if you have a Twitter account, you've probably seen us. There's potentially may have us muted because sometimes on our drops it, it gets to be a lot. But um, you know, we we engage with people in a way um, that tries to not be like a brand. That's part of the joke. If we beat people to the punch that a brand is acting not like a brand to show they're not a brand, but really to drive value to the brand. If we beat people to the punch on that joke, then it's cool because we beat them to the punch. You can't hurt me if I make fun of myself first. But the whole idea uh, behind it was to provide something just different. Right. So, you know, when we had the side project, when Chris and I had the side project, who's you're proud. And it was just for Indiana schools. That was cool. I mean, you'll get a local license a lot easier if you're in that state. um, Especially if you're an alum, like I was at Indiana, am at Indiana, but you know, as I was contemplating leaving my job and Krista was contemplating leaving her job and going full time with a collegiate brand. At first we thought, yeah, the market is way too saturated. Why would we do this to your point? Which is true. Actually, there are so many t-shirt vendors, so many people licensed to make t-shirts. But what there wasn't in the space and why we actually made the leap was we realized there was no collegiate apparel brand. Like literally, if I sat down to think like, what's a collegiate apparel brand? I could think of places that made collegiate apparel. And I could think of places that were, I could think of brands that would make like for a certain region or a certain type of school. But there was no place where my mind was like, okay, if I needed to buy a Ball State sweatshirt and a USC t-shirt at the same time, like, I could go to a website, I could go to Fanatics and buy multiple brands, but there was no like, this is the collegiate apparel brand. And so, with my, with Chris's background in design and mine and branding and marketing, it was like, oh, well, we can do this. Now, it's that's easier said than done. It's, it was <laughs> extremely difficult to get schools on board because to your point, I would go to them and say, well, we already have 40 vendors doing this. I'm like, well, it's different. And they'd be like, well, <laughs> I'll and, do right and nobody's doing the DDC space and so for them i mean when it's a bigger brand they look at you as a risk mm-hmm. right you have to provide some unique value and so what it, the way we had to do it was show you know if we wanted the michigan license we were going to have to show it with western and central michigan right if we wanted um some schools like if you wanted ohio state you're going to have to show it with literally like everybody else right like to prove that you could do it. So that's what we did is, um, you know, we would take a Georgia Southern launch and crush it with the design and find ways to get people really excited about Georgia Southern gear online or App State gear online. And then some larger institution would see them and be like, oh, I see what you're doing. is pretty cool there with the way, like particularly the way we engage on Twitter um, because that's just something that, anybody in the collegiate space had never seen right and so um we were able to do that with you know some mid-majors in the basketball terms some g5 in the football terms and then we'd have like a yukon take a swing on us and it went really well and then michigan state and you know others and then we got to the point where it'd be like we did a really cool auburn drop and then alabama wanted to do the drop because they saw the auburn drop was the biggest drop and then lsu called us because they were like well we saw alabama was your biggest drop right it's just hilarious how that all kind of ratcheted up.
0: When yeah. when it comes to the actual process and working with these schools, I mean, yeah. you touched on that a little bit. With obviously whether it's mid major FCS, what tell our eyes a little bit about you kind know, of the process it takes just working with a school from point of contact to actually getting that license, getting that that opportunity um, to create apparel for uh, for these schools and for these fan bases. For sure. So there's kind of two layers to it. Um, there's actually a lot of layers to it,
2: but the two main layers are you need to become a licensee for the university. That's an application process. And then beyond what, even when you're a licensee, every single thing that you are putting out into the world needs to be approved by the university, every design. And so when people are like, oh, my God, Homefield, how could you miss this logo? I promise you we know 10 times more about the logo history of anything you're asking us. I promise you, <laughs> it's just there's a reason why we couldn't do it. Right. Sometimes the school is keeping under lock and key. Sometimes um, they're waiting for a certain moment, an anniversary, whatever. But then we pay a royalty for every dollar sold back to the university. And it's a pretty high royalty rate um, on average. So uh, it to the first point, though, to even just get in the door, you need to become approved as a licensee and it's this massive matrix it's not just like oh home field's in so they can make t-shirts and hoodies and and hats and whatever it's literally product by product like if i showed you it's like a hundred lines like like baby t-shirts youth t-shirts Adult t-shirts, adult cotton t-shirts, adult synthetic blend, adult poly blend, like literally done headwear, unstructured headwear, structured headwear, like fitted, um, beanie, like it just keeps going. I mean, even like we can't make athletic wear, um, because that is exclusive for Nike, Adidas, Under Armour, whoever the sideline provider is. Right. I mean, and then, so that's one line, your horizontal line, your vertical line is direct to consumer campus local, which is bookstore. So then they distribution rights for each one. So yeah, I mean, you're having to prove. So we, we come in with a very, came in, especially back then when we weren't licensed from any schools with a very specific pitch and angle. We're like, Hey, we're home field. We're doing direct to consumer completely different. Look at the results of what we've done. Look at the ways we engage the customers. We at our core. We thought the product was far different enough, but um really in a lot of licensing directors' minds that, you know, in their minds, they're thinking, oh, that's cool. You might be able to design something cool, but can you actually execute on it? Right. And so um it was proving out like, oh yeah, no, we're all D2C marketing e people first. Like this is our bread and butter. Of course we can execute on it, but it just took, it's hard because, you know, it's hard to scale what we do because you have to do it. So piecemeal, school by school by school, right? It's not like, All 65 Power Fives, the second we started home home, we were like, yeah, go for it. Because much easier to do a a big coordinated campaign. But Collegiate, unlike the Pro Leagues, Pro Leagues, you get all of them at the same time. Collegiate is like, yeah, we got the Bobcats. You know, now we've got, you know, now we've got the Redbirds for Illinois State. And now we've got NKU. And now it's just kind of all over the board. And so it's it's. It's a lot of chicken and egg there, right? Because you need in order to build a coordinated effort, you need a lot of schools at once. Well, in order to get a lot of schools, you have to prove out that you can do it well, but you need a lot of schools to do it well. So, it just uh it just really fed itself. It was really difficult to be honest with you.
1: When do you when do you feel like the 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 domino started falling really fast? Cuz cuz yeah. from the outside looking in, it certainly seems like it's happening.
2: Yeah, there are really two big moments. Um, so it did not do very well at first. Um, the first year is part of that problem we we're talking about. We had a really good concept and we were engaging people on social differently. Um, and understanding how these communities operate. But I mean, there just wasn't enough volume to carry us. Right. It would. Um, it's real. You burn out of audiences really quickly. We had great um ads and uh great uh community engagement for the chippewas but like that audience is much smaller than the spartans and the wolverines right and so we just burn those audiences out we don't want to yell at them all the time about cmu constantly um but 2019 again it comes back to indiana football unfortunately um myself and my friends at the old crimson quarry blog um one night Got beers in Broad Ripple, the neighborhood I live in in Indianapolis, and uh, one of them, Kyle, went on this rant a few beers in about how Indiana was going to win nine football games that year. Oh, and we started a campaign that night at the bar. Uh, they tweeted it out, and we made a shirt uh, in the Supreme. <laughs> um, yes.
1: yes, that said
2: nine win Indiana, and people really got behind it. Yep. And like again, yeah, this is IU football, of course, right? But here's the crazy part. um, They were within seconds of doing it. So <laughs> we built this whole campaign and Indiana beats Purdue in the Old Oak and Bucket game to go to a bowl game. And it was their eighth win. And the players are running off the field and they're yelling into the camera, this on East, nine, Indiana. And it was just nuts. So Damn. like the whole fan base got behind it. It became like, I'd be like watching random things on like uh like CBS Sports or Indiana or ESPN or like listening to a podcast and somebody just like casually mentioned like yeah nine Indiana, go get them Hoosiers or whatever I'd be like oh my god um and so we kind of put our name on the nine windiana thing um we became known as the Indiana football brand which is very funny to go to Indiana <laughs> and be known as the Indiana football brand um, and then, so we went to the Gator Bowl. So this was the 2019 season, the Gator Bowl. Uh, the fact that Indiana was playing in a bowl game in January, not December was very funny to me, but we got invited down to be the official vendor for IU wow. um, for the Gator Bowl. And literally Indiana was up 13 with less than five minutes ago. And then lost in a series of just stunning. Like people were texting me in the fourth quarter, like, congrats, man. That's incredible. Um, all this stuff just jinxing it to high heaven. Um, ESPN stats and info put something out later that 500 games had been in that situation that year, and that was the first time a team had lost. Like, oh. it's just that. <laughs> like, Thanks, just thank oh, you. Uh, so, like, but it's just funny because nine Indiana was truly like that, that close to happen. So, that was the first thing I think that really nationally put us on the map. At the same time, we started um, advertising on a podcast that I really love called The Shutdown Full Uh, which is Ryan Nanny, Spencer Hall, Holly Anderson, Jason Kirk. Uh, And they were just huge supporters of what we were doing. And that kind of amplified the nine Windiana thing going on. Um, And so we felt great, like had a great close to 2019 going into 2020. And then COVID happens, uh, which is like, you know, for a brand built on college sports, that's terrifying. Right. Uh, And so we had had all this March Madness stuff planned, but I mean, still at this time, we had maybe not even five Power Five licenses, so we we're still pretty small. We've gotten all this attention for Indiana, um, but we we're still pretty small. But what happened in 2020 is really what um, changed our trajectory. So part one was the nine Indiana. Part two, um, this is works well because it's a basketball podcast. I'm from Indiana. It's a religion here. I am literally a Volunteer assistant, high school basketball coach, like as cliches as you can get, right? Um, so I was watching The Last Dance, um, and I was watching with Krista, my co founder and life, and
1: yeah, you too, you too, and the rest of the world were watching, yeah, uh, of course, together. yeah, this, this,
2: this, um, documentary propaganda That's... film, um,
1: <laughs> it is kind of propaganda film
2: made, made for MJ, um. And so I wait all week for it, It'd be Sunday night at 8 or 9 p.m. Eastern. I always forget what time. But sit down and then, like, immediately be on my phone. And at one point, Krista, who doesn't have Twitter, she's like, Why are you on your phone? There's like nothing. I mean, we were working all week trying to save the company, but she's like, Why are you on your phone? I'm like, you've waited all week. And I was like, Well, we're all making jokes right now at the same time mm-hmm. about like the security guard, yes. with the Jerry girl, or like, you know, all of the MJ memes. And so it was a huge swing, but I was like, wow, what if we could create something non-sports related that was like appointment viewing for people on social media? Again, a very big swing on this. Uh, But that is what birthed that discussion, uh, is what birthed what became known as Big News Saturday, which was a huge marketing campaign that we did that summer and we did for the subsequent summers, where basically the idea was, every saturday at noon eastern we would release a new school that we had never had on our website before but all week leading up to it would be a ton of hype and then the second it drops every, like everybody's just making jokes on social media all the memes about whatever your school is all you know you know for every school there's like 50 photos like i have over 75 Tom Crean photos on my phone, right? Like <laughs> we all know,
0: we all know what those are. Um, that's, that's a quote that I, I I don't know if I ever thought I would hear on this podcast. So I've got 75 Tom Crean photos on my phone. Oh right. yeah, but dude, it fits in perfect. I love it. There's some really good stuff in there. Um my my Woodson
2: collection is growing too. He's also got some there's some great got some
1: solid looks. Yeah, solid. Yeah,
2: I love that guy. Um uh, so not as many of Archie for me, though. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we, <laughs> um, so we, had, you know, hyped it up all week. Um, and so we started this very ambitiously, right? But we started with, we announced we were going to do this in, starting July 2020. We started with Tulane. We said we we're going to do it for 15 weeks. We only had seven schools committed. We we're like, yeah, well, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We had Tulane week one. It was really fun. Like the Green Wave is a really fun mascot. People loved it. Week two was Hawaii. I'm actually wearing my Hawaii shirt under this. Um, And then it started to get the attention of some people because literally nothing is going on in the college sports world. So all these college social media accounts, whether they're covering the team or literally the team themselves are like, oh, thank God we have like something to talk about. Yeah. And like it became a sporting event for like specifically more geared toward football audience um, just because it was leading into the football season. But yeah, um, it was actually wow. Today's the seventeenth, isn't it? Or was it July seventh? It was July seventh that we started it. So three years, three years ago, yeah. Um, but it started to catch the attention of other schools, so like UConn, noticed it, and their licensing director Kyle's amazing, and he's like, "Yeah, we'll we'll try it. like collection with you guys." So that took off, did really well. Syracuse. I was like yeah we'll do it too I mean,
1: yeah those those two fan bases to tap into yeah you know, like it's one thing to do Tulane, but like yukon yeah. i mean they're they're as rabid as it gets
2: they are nuts yes yeah. absolutely we uh they're i think nuts. i'm going out to new york for the empire classic to uh nice. see my yukon buddies and watch indiana play also um but yeah it was just a you know so it started to build and then some really much some really big brands started to take notice of what we were doing in the social space. So by the end of big news Saturday, the first season, we planned for 15 weeks. We ended up doing 17 weeks because Nebraska or not Nebraska, because Alabama and Michigan were like, Hey, can we be a part of this? And we're like, yeah, sure. So, um, you know, we just kept building and building. So that is really where we made, made our mark was that first season of big news Saturday. Um, the athletic wrote a whole profile on like this marketing campaign and all of this stuff. And so, um, Yeah, it was just really cool. And so we built... We did three more seasons of it, just debuting um, every P5, um, basically. And there were a couple of holdouts that we ended up adding later for one reason or another. Um, But yeah, that was really the moment where it's like, holy cow. I mean, we're now over five times bigger than we were in BNS season one, just, I mean, growth. Um, But that was really the moment where I was like, yep, I'm going to be doing this as my career was when that took off.
0: That's awesome. Is there... Obviously, I think looking at Twitter, there's probably more room for creativity just yes. with the wordplay and obviously the back and forth. Was Twitter the main platform that really, from a social standpoint, really took off, or um, what for you guys? I mean, is there a major difference between Twitter and Instagram or even now TikTok? What what is yeah. the social media like? Is landscape for you guys? You know, I think we'll always
2: be known for breaking through initially on Twitter. Um, it's funny though, like people really well-meaning reaching out to us when everything's happened this last year with Twitter and they were like, oh man, are you guys going to be okay? Yada, yada, yada. Because I think people literally think 100% of our revenue is from it. and It's <laughs> like, it's like at best 10% of our revenue, right? Which I mean, that would suck if it went away. Um, but we have a really awesome team, a marketing team that most people don't see from day to day. You know, uh, really know what they're doing in terms of email and sms and events and uh to your point the other social platforms whitney our director of content she used to run social over at sb nation um has done a really good job you know finding different uses for a different like there's a different purpose behind each um social platform we're on so for like you know she started this newsletter called home field history it's not even social media but the idea is like creating this connection with the customer to explain like, why does Indiana wear the candy stripes or like Mm. what was uh, the Husky slide for UConn? That was a different newsletter, but still the same idea, like telling these stories of college basketball or football uh, that connect people to the product and show that deeper understanding we have when coming in. So we have a lot of content across different verticals. Um, You know, TikTok A lot of what we do is we talk about Michaela, who's on our team. She'll talk about, Um, some unique part of um, a school's history or different mascots and can be, you know, there's a, there's a funny tone to strike there too. Right. Um, But, you know, we didn't know what we were doing with TikTok because Whitney and I are both uh, millennials. And so we were like, we just hired Michaela who's, you know, 20 in her her younger twenties, I guess you could say lower twenties, played college basketball at Southern Indiana. So understands sports, but understands TikTok and, Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, we we definitely have different reasons for each platform, but Twitter in particular, it's low effort and that all it requires you to take out your phone and fire off a tweet, but you have to have such an intimate knowledge of the platform because if you it's so easy to just get absolutely dunked on, like you have oh. to you have to know it front, back and Whitney does and I do, and we're sick in the head for it, but, uh, it ends up working out for us. Well,
1: there's, there's a reason that, that, uh, a term that's now just in our zeitgeist is ratioed, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's yeah. very quick and easy to get ratioed. Uh, no all right. I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about what it's like to work with your wife full time. I mean, yeah. it's like that process, how that is. Do you guys like the day ends at six and you're like, all right, no more work talk. What <laughs> you're like, or is it just kind of like yeah. a blend of personal life, fun, business work, like yeah. how does that work.
2: We try to keep it pretty separate. I mean, I think it's pretty healthy to do so. So, I mean, it's funny though. We'll like, we won't drive together to work, which, you know, it's probably not great for the planet, but also like probably need a few minutes to myself every day. Yep. Um, and our offices are literally right next to each other at the office. Um, So our, our teams are pretty siloed, I will say, though. She heads up all of design. Um, yeah. So and we're, when I my title is CEO, but where I really get my hands in are on the marketing side of things. So that's my kind of specialty. And so where we do overlap is every week we have a strategic team that the heads of design, marketing, operations, finance, all meet together um, as our core competencies. And so we work a lot hand in hand there, but honestly, we're pretty, we, we've had a pretty good division of our duties. And then, you know, when we come home, we really try not to do, we really try not to do work when we're at home, just trying to keep that separate because, you know, this, the life we have here is a lot more important than what we do with home field, And so I don't want that to be overrun with home field. So.
1: Love it. Good for you guys, man, that's awesome. Appreciate. Um, it. All right. So at the beginning, I'm curious about this. Earlier, you mentioned like you guys want to work with certain vendors that are focused on sustainability and you know yeah. how the supply chain and all of that. In the beginning, you know, especially when you're a new like right now, you guys again, it's it's my perspective. I you know you guys are established. You have almost all the P5s, right? Like you have like the big brands now and It's easy to say now, like, oh yeah, like our shirts like have to be really nice. But in the beginning, was that paramount? I and and I I remember when you said like, yeah, the one thing that we wanted this brand to be is thoughtful. Like, Mm -hmm. people are taking a risk in the beginning. Like, I don't know who this brand is. I don't even know if this. I might just lose thirty bucks. Like, I don't even know if this shirt's gonna arrive. I don't know what this is. Were they always this nice, or was it like, all right, we're gonna do this first batch in? a cotton, a true cotton, and then we'll get the blend. Like how, what was that thought process? Like?
2: Yeah. So they were always that nice. We've made improvements to make them nicer. So the way, unless somebody starts with like hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars, you're going to end up buying something that already exists. There are companies that make product that already exists and you put your own label into it. Yep. And so what we did was we, I remember ordering 35 different t-shirts and trying them on and making Krista try them on and having friends try them on and printing on them and washing them and then checking, you know, do they have the right amount of colors? Because of schools, you know, so many colors. So we we found the shirt that we loved, and I'm not gonna say the name of it, of course. Uh, <laughs> and then use that yeah, for to a say couple- it's
1: actually it's discontinued. No one can yeah, wear
2: it. it's discontinued. <laughs> uh and then what we did was, you know, I wear enough of them. like, okay, I want to make certain improvements when we a few years ago went to making our own t-shirts like going to a manufacturer and like hey here's the spec we have here's the fabric that we want to use um made some slight tweaks on it um you know they do they are a little more athletic fit for those um like there's side seam and all that which it's nice product so we wanted to add a little bit more room um the problem is when you start really moving the target on how big your shirt is, everybody's like, well, wait, I used to wear a large, but now I wear a medium. And mm-hmm. so um, we didn't want to change it too much, but we did add some, uh, you know, we were able to add our little own stadium patch on the sleeve on a lot of them. There was a shortage on patches in the United States for a second there. So we couldn't get, you know, as many patches made as we wanted. Uh, but, you know, at, improving even the blend and the hand feel of the garment and so uh yeah it, it was a long time to figure out like okay what do we want this shirt to look like and feel um because to me if you buy a 30 plus dollar t-shirt it's got to feel like it right and there's a lot of i mean other considerations people don't think about in terms of like the royalty rate we pay to a school which is schools yeah. keep jacking that up frankly and so it makes it tougher or Um, you know, that we're not going to be using sweatshops to make our shirts. And so, I mean, a lot of those, if, if you're paying $12 for a t-shirt at the end of the day, you don't want to know how it's made. You probably should look how into how it's made, but you, yeah, it's not great. So were you, were you tied
1: into that? Like sheen marketing disaster with those influencers?
2: Ooh, I I was, I was reading about it today. Actually not, it's not great.
1: Oh my god, man! Like, what an absolute disaster. Anyway, go for it, Ian. Yeah,
0: yeah. So yeah, go ahead. I would say shifting your just a little bit. Obviously, in terms of, uh, I know. Look, you've got and neither Paul or I are are UConn fans. I think Paul probably despises more. I think (laughs) the UConn stuff that's dropping this weekend. It's so dope. I hate how incredible. I hate, it. and it's tough because neither of us are UConn fans, but. Uh-huh. dating back i guess maybe looking back since march what are if you can share some of the biggest i guess basketball brands that are really moving merch at, at home field yeah you know, fan bases that are really um diving in right now
2: so in 2023 um so our number one will always be will always no matter what we do is indiana just because we're based here and Indiana is not the biggest brand we make for, but our, our story being tied into the state and IU, like people, people flock to, to IU for us. Um, but beyond IU, our number two school this year, regardless football, basketball, whatever number two is UConn. Uh, the Natty helps for sure. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, also the designs are pretty sick They're <laughs> They have a really cool de- uh, logo history. Their fans were super jazzed about the, um, the natty run of course yep. uh, yeah yeah uh, i think my good pal no escalators went on a bender for like three weeks yep. um uh, yeah so uconn's up there at purdue uh is top five this year for us um which you know that didn't end the way they wanted to uh safe to say never um happened. this is a traditional basketball brand that hasn't been for a while well i, I think they made technically made the tournament this year's
0: pitt did they make the? Yeah, yeah. Um, almost a Sweet Sixteen. They lost in the okay. second round because they won the playing game, and then they um, who they smoked somebody. They lost to Xavier in the in the second round. Yeah.
2: Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I, I had a list here: IU, UConn, Purdue, Pitt, Michigan State were our top five like basketball forward brands this year. Uh, a <laughs> lot of Kansas, UNC, Duke as well. Duke was a new addition to the lineup in February, so. um. It's been growing for sure. We're looking to add more pieces to it. I mean, I it's mean a lot. Of-
1: I mean, was Duke just giving you the hardest time ever?
2: So for a while there, they would not, uh, the way the licensing was structured, unless you were Nike, you could only sell in the bookstore. And so then uh, it was literally Nike or Fanatics branded. So then they changed policies this year. And so The second we got that email, we were like, yep, we're doing it and launched it as soon as we could. So, yeah, that was fun. Um, But, yeah, so they're growing for sure. We had some fun mid-majors that did well this year, too. Um, Cincy, Marquette, and Creighton did really well. Marquette and Creighton especially. Uh, Hmm. Again, their seasons – I mean, Creighton made a deep run. but uh, And we also were able to add – one thing we always do in March is we're just ready to add a school that – you know, we can't get licensed for all 68 teams. And realistically, it'd have to be 100-plus teams because we have to do it weeks out, right, um, and make designs and all that. Uh, but we keep an eye on fun schools that we could get. So last year, we moved super fast on St. Peter's, which is awesome. Yeah. Made a shirt that said Strut of Destiny. Yeah. Um, we got it after they beat Murray State. And so, like, literally, I'm at a friend's house. I love – Watching basketball, love March Madness, but it also real stressful work time. So I'm at a friend's house at like 11 p.m. They beat Murray State. I text our licensing guy Tom. I say we need to get St. Peter's, and he says I've already got it. And then the That's next morning, we release a collection by 10 a.m. Like we, Chris and I went home, yeah. designed four pieces, sent it to their team, they approved it, and we got it out. Mm-hmm. And it was awesome. And it kept. We got a huge runway. One, because it was a peacock. Two, it says Strut of Destiny. Three, uh, they kept winning. They beat Purdue. Um, I remember being in a bar in Indianapolis, secretly, like, sitting there cheering for St. Peter's because the amount of shirts we were going to push out. And, you know, it I went to Indiana. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and yep. so, yeah, I was in a very sad bar that night, and I was trying really hard to not smile too hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, like, this past year, uh, so now people are ready for that kind of thing. So it's really unfortunate for them that they are the victims twice, but we also did a Fairly Dickinson collection, yeah, uh, and that was pretty fun too. That was a, I was I stayed home to watch that game. Krista went to go see Le Miz, which was in town, and uh, I text her in it's intermission. And I'm like, hey, so uh Fairly Dickinson uh, beat Purdue, and she's like, yeah, I know. It's all anybody can talk about here in intermission. <laughs> It's like, like apparently like the whispers were just growing. That's uh, and so, yeah, we did the same thing. Did a collection the next morning. It was pretty fun. Um, have so, yeah.
1: there, have there been any schools or I guess what schools, if any, are you still looking to partner with or, or still in negotiation?
2: Yeah, Big. there are, a ton, there are a ton we want to still work with. A lot of mid majors, a lot of G5s. I mean, that was really our calling card in the beginning, but then when you're getting you know, you can't point, you really you tell Michigan or Alabama, no.
1: Yeah, you can't tell no, but, like, also, you don't need to really sell it as hard anymore, right? It's just, like, right. look. Yeah. You just point to, like, one slide on a deck, like, do you want in or not?
2: Yeah, totally. And there's a bunch that we want to work with where some, you know, they're like, hey, we're trying to time up our vintage drop for the 10th anniversary of something. Uh, okay. Or some, you know some schools we've taken a long time on because we want to do it right for example we're doing an old miss drop this year right and vintage logos for Ole miss don't have a great history to be frank and yeah. so we've had to yeah. take a lot of time to make sure it's thoughtful yeah. and obviously, i mean they wouldn't approve it and we would never submit you know the not thoughtful versions but sure. you know we make sure it still looks really good or um You know, Stanford has similar history with their logos. And so we haven't dropped a Stanford collection yet because we're still trying to figure out, you know, we've been approved, but it's how do we make it unique and vintage? Um, And so, yeah, I mean, there's some we've got a ton of mid-majors G5s we're still working on that are coming out, which I like that's where my like I get really pumped about those because there's just so many unique logos out there. Um, Like we got Idaho Vandals coming up, you know, which I'm pumped about.
0: I got to give you a shout out because I think the Delaware blue hens and we've got some ties yeah. with us that the Delaware blue hens are in a special class. Those are some of the best designs and the most unique set. Hey, there's not, there aren't other blue hens, but just the creativity and the background behind some of those. And then seeing obviously some of the history behind it as well. It's pretty incredible.
2: Well, they're, they were one. I appreciate that too. They were really fun to work with. Um, the team yeah. over there because when we launched the Delaware, we were getting ready to launch it. They were sending us stuff and they were like, Hey, have you seen this? And it was uh, their blue hen in a scuba mask with a trident. And it had the phrase chicken of the sea. Yeah. And so we were like, yeah, we're going to put that on a shirt. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, schools like that are really fun. Like UC Irvine's a blast to work with mm. uh, their licensing director he sent us the now famous uh, home field famous, I should say uh, surfing anteater eater uh, logo that we have on a t-shirt. Mm. Um, that's one that actually um, Robin Lopez ordered like 15 of and is obsessed with. Which is very funny. Uh,
0: so, yeah, I love it. Last before we wrap up, if you look on your LinkedIn, your bio, resume, you're also an adjunct professor at IU. It's been about yes. a year now. Talked a little bit about that experience. Is that something you always wanted to do? Is that something that was just um, an opportunity that came up? And is is it something that you see kind of in the future? Of like, I I, I really enjoy this. I want to dive into it further.
2: Yeah, you know, so um, I've always thought teaching uh, would be really fun, and you know, I go back one of my old professors at IU uh, in the marketing department. And he always asked me back every year to teach his class, talk to the class about like Google analytics or how I view digital marketing, e-commerce marketing. So I'd done that and had some random other ones at like Purdue or Ball State that had asked me to come talk to the class. And so I've always liked that. Uh, and then last summer, I got a call from Galen Clavio, who runs the um, run. He's runs the sports media arm of the media school at IU and he was like, Hey, we have this opening, um, for brand strategy, this course, and we need someone to teach it. And, you know, it's about crafting a brand in uh highly competitive markets and using the brand to drive strategy. Like it feels like it's up your alley. Would you want to teach it? I'm like, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> so I went in and taught it. Uh, I learned a lot about teaching in general and I mean, I the class I got like three or four weeks head start head note start on it like it was not very much time so it was I put in a lot of work to try to make it worthwhile for the students um so I did that last fall and it was fun um this semester I'm coming back to teach it'll be an eight-week course uh still three credit hours but just like two and a half hours each class uh called social media and sports which I'm very excited about which is right up my alley that's awesome. Um, and so yeah, pumped about that class. I was finishing up reading the textbook last night. Um, and then putting my own thoughts on some some slides. So yeah, really pumped about that one. I it's I love doing home field. So I, you know, I'm gonna be doing home field full time, but it's something that every once in a while pop in, teach a class. Sounds fun to me. It also, I mean. I learned a lot just from kids. I was pulling my kids half the time. Like, what do you guys think of, you know, I'm learning about how you consume media. You know, it uh, was helpful for me to learn that too.
1: Yeah. Good market research. Yeah,
2: no doubt. And you're no getting
1: paid. That's not bad. Yeah. Um, awesome. Connor, we appreciate it, man. We're going to get you out of here on some rapid fire. And then uh, we, always, we always end every episode with a green light for a hot take. Okay. Precursor for the hot take. It can be about anything. It can be about music, food, travel, IU, whatever you got. But okay. Rapid fire. First question favorite player of all time?
2: Favorite player of all time. Uh, I'm going collegiate and I'm saying uh, Bracey Wright. Wow. From the mid 2000s Indiana Hoosiers would stand two or three feet behind the free throw line. Um, Was a man. Man before his time, an absolute chucker, shot like 32% from three, but was taking like seven or eight threes a game in the mid-2000s on those uh, Mike Davis teams, those late-stage Mike Davis teams. Oh, yeah. Loved it.
1: That is not – I mean, I expected a Hoosier, but wow. (laughs) Uh, Well, it's
2: it's that or A.J. Moye, which I'm sure you would love. All right. Uh, All right. A.J.
1: Moye. God, dude, these two names, I haven't heard these names. (laughs) Like –
2: AJ Moye is the dude who blocked Boozer. Come Cheers, on,
1: here, dude. Oh my god. Um. All right. Wow. Okay. Uh Is Rondo a Hall of Famer?
2: Uh, clarifying question: Will he? Are you asking will he make the Hall of Fame, or if you, if it was my do own, do you company? believe he's a Hall of Famer? Um. Based off the criteria, the Mitch Richmond criteria, probably. Ooh based off of uh my own thoughts uh i don't think i i would put him in the hall of very good but he's a boston celtic with two uh championships so he's gonna get in
1: yeah i think so
2: (laughs) uh lebron or jordan oh man i'm a bronze stand for sure Um, um i love i love both players though uh but lebron is a cyborg
1: would you rather have a licensing deal with lebron or jordan
2: Jordan.
0: <laughs> I, I was gonna
2: car. say, wait a
1: minute. Um, okay, who is the best dunker of all time?
2: The best dunker of all time. Oh man. Um, I mean, I have to say Jordan. I have to say MJ. This is this is where it goes. It's just yep. like, yeah, I mean, he's the sickest dunker there's been.
1: Yeah. I mean, if he's not one, he's probably two. Yeah. Uh favorite sneaker of all time.
2: And then this is, again, where I have to... Michael Jordan has also got me in a hold on sneakers, too. Um, yeah. So, the, of course, customer answer is, like, in my opinion, very boring answer. The the ones are the greatest sneaker of all time. Uh, but I'm also very partial, if we're excluding the ones, to the threes and fours. Yes. Well.
1: Um, my fours are always my answer. Uh, yeah. Well, the threes. Ah, shit. Yeah, kind of threes and fours. They're both pretty good. The, right, 11s right,
2: nice. right. the 11s are nice. The 11s are
1: Yep. Yeah. Um, all right, best basketball movie of all time.
2: Um, I would not be allowed back in the state if I didn't say it was Hoosiers. This is a layup. Yep. Or blue chips. That counts too as the state. Um so if that's your that's your state answer, <laughs> what's your what's your non-IU answer? Oh man. Non um it's so hard. Like, so many of my answers reveal the fact that I was born in the mid 90s because Space Jam is not a good movie. But, uh, yeah, but the
1: that's one. very, yeah, that's up there. <laughs> that's
2: okay. Yeah. And again, Michael Jordan, gosh dang it. Yeah, it's, man, you're back. Just everywhere.
1: Yeah. Back, back to MJ. Yeah. So, Space Jam. Okay.
0: Um. All right, man. Last <laughs> thing. Well, Paul, I'm stopping you. I'm throwing one one question in here. I just oh. thought that was funny. Uh, one, what is the one player? And maybe he's from Indiana, it could obviously be anyone that did not go to IU that you wish was a Hoosier. So this kind of counts because he went
2: for one semester, um, and it's the hick from French Lick himself, Larry Bird. Um, mm-hmm. He – yeah, he would have um, – I could go more recent. Uh, for you, Kyle Guy. Um, yeah. Ooh,
0: Chris that, that's, that's
2: a – yeah. Yeah.
0: Chris Wilkins baiting baiting that a uh, question was baiting you to ma- hopefully either get a Kyle Guy or maybe a Josh McRoberts for Paul. But um, oh. Kyle Guy not going to Indiana is something no, i kind do. of just, now. a be thankful for. And B, it's incredibly surprising people that don't realize like how close his grandparents are season ticket holders, and I think we're on the board IU. So there's a lot of connections there. Uh, mm. Very thankful that Tom Crean um offered a thousand people yeah and and there was not the connection there that he built with tony because that is one that i i don't know how it slipped away but. oh my god yeah
2: that one really hurt um that was kind of when everybody was like mm, maybe it's time to switch up uh but yeah josh McRoberts went to my high school his brother played for iu did he really oh, yeah yeah zach went to vermont and then he transferred to iu to be a normal student took a year off I was playing FIFA with him in friends basement. And then uh, he was all of a sudden on the team. So <laughs>
1: I don't remember. I don't remember McRoberts uh, recruiting. Was was IU in the mix? I assume.
2: Uh, that would have been oh, four. I mean, it, at that point, it was late stage Mike Davis. So this is what happened in Indiana. At the time you had schools that were at one point in the same conference, Josh McRoberts, Eric Gordon, Greg Oden, Mike Conley, Jeff Teague, damn, all damn. in like they were all one year apart, and Mark Mark Titus. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, dude, they were all on the same AAU
0: team for the most part. I forget one of them was, yeah. it, but like they just each NDE, were... yeah, because that and that was the other ones I thought of as well was the fact that Conley and Oden and Dequan all going to Ohio State with well. like, right there. The story there
2: is that uh, Greg told it on Mark's podcast was yep. that Mike Davis kept sending the wrong mail to Mike Conley. And so they're like, Nope, we're out.
1: With the oh, wrong name.
2: Yeah. Wrong player mail. To, yeah. So yeah, that was tough. Cause that Who was is the GA that was doing that
1: in the back room.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's uh yeah that would have been cool. I mean, Larry was at IU for a semester and he hated it. And then he left and almost, he quit basketball for a second too. He hated it.
1: I mean, yeah. Larry Bird is the answer. I mean, that's the answer.
2: He told me when I was nine years old, one time that I should never shoot threes. So (laughs) yeah. Great life advice. That's the the saddest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. I, I grew up. Was a
1: basketball camp?
2: A friend of mine, growing up his dad was the Pacers GM for a while and so I would go to games with him and we would go wait for like Reggie and Jermaine to come out of the locker room so we'd be shooting on the practice court so I'm like nine years old and I took an NBA three and airballed it and I just hear from behind you shouldn't be shooting that and I turn around like I'm in the corner of the gym by myself and he doesn't even make eye contact he just keeps walking and it's Larry Bird in my mind, I'm like, I will never do that again, sir.
0: Sorry, Mr. Bird. Sorry, Mr. Bird. I'm so sorry. It makes me think of the Patrick Ewing clip uh, in, in the game where he's mic'd up. He's like, yeah. Do you shoot that shot? Do you practice that shot? That's <laughs> yeah. like the
1: greatest huddle, like tap in ever. Normally, it's always like, We got to play hard and rebound and guard the yard, blah, blah, blah. And then you, you, you tap into Georgetown and he's just crushing his players.
2: Yeah. Is that a good shot?
1: <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> um, Connor, listen, man, this has been awesome. We appreciate you coming on. Uh, I obviously will be on the lookout for the next Duke drop, and uh, hopefully, Ian gets something for his birthday or Christmas.
2: But, uh, we're we're, you know, we're yeah. going to dive in. We might actually dive in
0: James Madison Duke's collection as well from the hometown because that's right. Nice. There's some fire JMU Duke stuff on there as well. Yeah, they're great. That's awesome.
1: Awesome, man. Well, we appreciate it, and uh, good luck the rest of the year. And uh, thanks for coming on, man. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, appreciate you guys having me. I've been feeling like This what I've been working towards If you ain't trying to be the boss Then tell me what you working for Certain doors were closed But now they opening up Celebrating with some shots Maybe poke on a couple Plus Russell's up next And I got this Crazy like Britney And the love so toxic Got a wall up I'm trying to infiltrate a conscious. Taking 12 shots Like where the cops is Come on